this morning, I want to share some things with you uh, concerning uh, Easter, obviously, but more specifically, I want to talk to you about hope. You know, Easter really gives us great hope, and so the title of my message this morning is Living Hope. Why? Because we serve a living Savior, amen? Are you convinced of that? Are you sure? All right, so I'm going to say that again. So we don't serve a dead Savior, we serve a living Savior, Amen. That's a little better. So I'm going to need a little feedback. I know some of you might be new. Some of you might be guests. I, I like some talk back, some interaction a little bit, okay? So we don't have to be stiff. I know I'm wearing a coat today, and some of you are like, that's a little weird. But it's okay. Got my shirt tucked in today. And, you know, it's Easter. I have to take some pictures, right? And so, yeah. Anyhow. No, I mean... What a great day that we get to celebrate. I mean, honestly, what, what a privilege that we have, that we get to experience the life of God. And so before I get into my message this morning, I want to just welcome everybody who's joining us on live stream. We're so thankful that you've joined us today. TDP, would you help me welcome all, all our online guests? As always, we invite you anytime. That we would love to have you here on campus with us, but we are thankful that you've joined us today. And so today I want to share some things with you, as I said, about living hope. Why? Because we have a living Savior, and our hope is not in some dead guy. Right? We are not hoping in some person that died who says, hey, here's, some, here's a belief about God. No, we actually have hope in someone who actually rose from the dead. It's one of the, it's really the hallmark that makes Christianity different than every other religion. Why? Because all their, de- all their gods are in a grave. We were just singing about it. Our God went and robbed it. He said, nope, that grave cannot hold. Why? Because he had a plan, and that plan was to redeem us. And, and so that should give us great hope. But many times I believe that we can struggle in the day-to-day of life. Like, hey, I came, I got my salvation card punched. I'm good. Jesus is my Lord, now I'm just going to go back to life. Jesus didn't die for you to punch a card, right? Jesus died for what? For us to have life, like real life. And you're like, okay, if you've never experienced the life of God, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And there was a time when I had no idea what I was talking about. Because I was raised in church, I was raised coming to Easter, I was raised, you know, in church all the time and All those things, and yet it was just verbiage to me. There was no reality in my life, right? I'd go to some good church services, everybody would be like, oh man, the presence of God was there. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just saw a bunch of people getting excited about something I don't get. But there came a point where I got it. That the word of God... And the message of Jesus became real on the inside of me. Like that there was, like it wasn't just theory anymore, but there was some reality. And so this morning I want to share with you a few things. And so I'm going to start here in Romans chapter 15. The scriptures will be up on the screens for you this morning. But Romans chapter 15, this is really the verse that the Lord kind of dropped in my heart, that kind of really was the the catalyst, if you will, for this message. But I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible, but it says, May the God of hope fill you. May the God of hope fill you with, what is that next word? All. All joy. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in dwelling. Now, here's the important part. Through the experience of your faith. I'm not asking for you to believe what my experience would tell you today. What I am here to do is to give you the confidence and the hope and the faith to say, God wants me personally as an individual to actually experience him for myself. And that's God's desire. So he goes on, he says, through the experience of your faith and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't do this on our own. We need the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You're like, who's the Holy Spirit? He's part of the Godhead. You're like, uh, what? God is three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And yet it says through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that the Bible says that when we get saved, that he comes into our heart. And it says that he would, what, empower us. And it goes on here, and he says that as he, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. That means everything that you read in Scripture, that we should have confidence, that belongs to me. That belongs to me. But it's, it, it's something different when it's no longer just words on the page, but it's actually reality for us as individuals. That when we read the word of God, it's not just, well, that's what the Bible says. No, this is what the Bible says to me, for me personally, that my life would be different. The Passion Translation says, says it this way. It says, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. Isaiah says that God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are focused on him. That God would keep us in perfect peace. So you may be here this morning saying, I don't have any peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He doesn't just have peace. He is peace. I like to say it this way. When Jesus shows up, chaos goes down. Things begin to what? Come into order. Right? So as we trust in him, joy and peace work into our life. It doesn't mean our circumstances are perfect. Circumstances don't, shouldn't affect joy. Because I'm not talking about happiness. I mean a joy. The Bible says talks comes out of our spirit. comes out of the inside of us. It goes on and it says that, it says, and the power, or may the power of the Holy Spirit continually, 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 not just one day when you come to church, not just one day when you prayed a prayer, said, I want to get my, my life back with the Lord. I, no, continually. He wants him to surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with joy. How many of you know what a radiator is? Like there's different types, but there's a style that what you pump hot water through it. And what happens is that water passes through what? It gives off the heat from the water that's being pumped through it, and it radiates heat where? Into the room that it's sitting. The Bible says that we are to radiate hope. People ought to be like, there's something different about you. They're like, there he is, and it's Jesus. There, there he is. And it says that we ought to radiate this hope. When what is hope? I mean, it's a word we can throw around. A very simple definition is this. Is that hope is a confident expectation for good. I am convinced of this one thing, that God has good things for me. I don't have to know what they all are. I don't have to know every detail about it. But doesn't matter what I face, what I know is my God is good. 
and that he is working what the Bible says. He's working all things together for my good. He doesn't bring about the bad, but he says, just think about this. I just read this verse to you a minute ago. If the enemy had known, he would have never crucified. How many of you know crucifixion was not nice? If you go and research it, it was brutal. It was torture, actually. The Romans had perfected torture. And that's what happened that day on Jesus. We call it Good Friday, the day that he was crucified. That wasn't good, but yet what the enemy had intended to destroy, God meant to what? To liberate. So really, God let the devil set himself up. And many times we will face things in our life, and if we're not careful, we will what? Lose our hope that God is on our side, that God is working for us, and what happens? That our faith begins to dwindle. We begin to say, man, I just don't know if God's going to work for me. Hope is huge, huge, huge in our life as to our ability to believe and to trust in God. Another definition of hope is this. It's a desire with anticipation. See, hope and fear are antithetical. They're, they're at war. Fear is what? A confident expectation. Something bad's about to happen. Hope says, no, I'm convinced something good's going to happen in my life. I don't have to see every thread. I don't have to understand everything about it. But I believe that God is working on my behalf. See, I want to give you some hope this morning. See, some of you are here just because it's Easter, and I get it. But let me give you a little hope this morning. Is that God is not mad at you. God is not looking to even the score with you. No, quite the opposite. The Bible says that he loves you with, a, with, with love that cannot be explained. So much so that he sent Jesus to what? Come and to take our place. Very familiar passage of Scripture, John three 16. I'm going to read this through verse 18 out of the Passion Translation. But it says... For this is how much God loved the world that he gave his one and only, his unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience, there's that word again, experience everlasting life. That's not just when I go to heaven. There's a life to be experienced now. It goes on, it says that God did not send his son into the world to judge it. God's not mad. And to condemn the world. It says, but he sent, but to be its savior and to rescue it. And it says, so now, everybody say now. Now, right now, not one day in the future. So now, there is no longer condemnation for those who believe in him. That means you don't have to feel guilty for your mistakes. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean that I don't want to be better. I'm not saying that grace is a cure-all and let me go do whatever I want to do and God's just going to forgive me. That would not be a wise decision to do that way, to live that way. But yet here it says that there is no condemnation. See, I make mistakes, but this is what I know is that the blood of Jesus speaks something better for me. And that same blood speaks something better for you. It's not about perfection. It's about believing. It's about trusting and looking to Jesus as our Savior. See, I, one of the things that I love about Easter is, yes, it's Resurrection Sunday. It's why we're here. I mean, we're here to, to honor Jesus for what he's done in our life, absolutely. But, you know, resurrection is not just Jesus' story. 
We think that, oh, it's Easter, it's Jesus. No, it's our resurrection story. Amen. It's not just his. He rose from the dead. Well, guess what? So did we. Why? Because in him, the Bible says, we can, what, die to our old nature, that part of us that would war against God. And what? And it says he would come in and move and to live on the inside of us. See, we all have our own story. Now, see, y'all really should have gotten some feedback right there. Why? Because how many of you have a story of resurrection? I don't know about you, but I can tell you for me, God has delivered me, God has healed me, God has done way more for me and has been way more gracious to me than anything I've ever deserved. And when I was at my worst, God looked at me and said, I see the best in you. That's part of my story. That's part of your story. And we all have a resurrection story and we ought to be reminded of that today is that Jesus did not die simply for us to go to heaven. He, he died so that what? We could now be his representatives on the earth and we could what? Radiate the hope of the gospel of believing in him. Why? Because life change comes through him and no one else. True heart change can only come through Jesus. And there is no one else. The Bible says very clearly that we were all born into sin. All of us were born into sin. We were lost. We were condemned. We were guilty before we were even born. But Christ, but Christ came for what? For us. He came to buy us back. That's what the word redeem means. He's purchasing us with what? His perfect blood. In Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. It says, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. It says, for since our friendship with God, you know, God calls you a friend, by the way, not an enemy. He calls you a friend. That our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. He has made us. We're not guilty. God's not looking to settle any scores. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. See, the reality is, is you hung on a cross. You laid in a grave. You resurrected on that, what we call Sunday morning. It wasn't just Jesus getting up off of that deathbed. It was us. It says, for we were buried with him, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God. We do not serve a powerless God, quite the opposite. He is powerful, and he has enough power and strength and ability to what? Handle everything that you face and everything that you deal with. Yes. See, it's that mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, that that life still speaks for us today. It goes on, it says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of your sins. 
Love this. It says, he canceled the record of the charges against you and took it away by nailing it to the cross. We all had a guilty verdict. And God took a stamp and said, not guilty. Not guilty. And that's what he still speaks about us to this day if we put our, if we put our faith and our trust in him. See, the reality of Easter is very simple is that Christ's victory is actually our victory. It's not just Jesus' victory. It's not just His resurrection. It's our victory and our resurrection. See, and we ought to celebrate it. Why? Because, man, that speaks of something amazing and powerful. There's reality in what we celebrate today. Easter is much more than pastel colors and bunnies and eggs and all of the things that we try to package around it. The enemy would love for us to be distracted by that. So that what? We're not actually focusing on the reality that today declares our victory. You may be facing some things today that you think, man, it is done. I am up a creek, I've got no paddle, and I've got no friends. I am in trouble. But God's word speaks something different for you. You may have come to church this morning and say, man, I'm going to go to church because I don't know what else to do, but I have so much guilt and shame and regret for my past, and this is what I can tell you. If you will bring it to Jesus, the Bible says he will wipe it away, and what? He will remember it no more, and we will what? Live in newness of life. In newness of life. So Christ's victory, it's ours. And here's a great, and it speaks to what I was just telling you, is that our God is still a God of resurrection. Jesus was not the, the lone resurrection that happened 2,000 plus years ago. He's the same God who still resurrects life today. Why? Because out of death, he brings life. Out of my death, I used to live, what? The Bible tells me that I lived in sin and I was actually at war. I I fought against God in my decisions and in the choices that I made. And yet what? God resurrected my life in a moment. Didn't mean that I was perfect. It's been a process. It's still a process. I'm 20 plus years in and God's still perfecting. I don't even like saying perfecting because I know I'm a long ways from it, but it's a process. Don't get discouraged because of your progress or your lack thereof. Man, I've tried that. God has better things. He's still resurrecting. He still awakens those things. It's never over with God until he says. It's never over until he says. John chapter 10 verse 10 in the Passion Translation says this. It says that the thief has one thing in mind. The enemy, the devil, we have an enemy. You say, I don't believe in the devil. It doesn't change the fact that he's real. Evil exists in the world. Where do you think it comes from? It has an origin. You can deny it all day, but there's an origin of evil. And it says here, the thief comes to steal, to slaughter, and destroy. Jesus says, but I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness. Until what? Until you overflow. Other translations say that I've come that you would have life and have it to the fullest in an abundance. 
not as like a small drip. Sometimes, you know, that's what living for the, it's like, Lord, just give me a little drip, a little drip. No, he wants to come in like a flood. Life to its fullest. Life to its fullest. That word life in the Greek is zoe. It means to take a breath, like take a deep breath. Why? Because that's how you live. Like your body needs oxygen. Well, guess what? Your spirit needs God. And that life comes from him. Another definition is living water. I love this part. It says, having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon your soul. The life of God has the power in it. We ain't got to manufacture it. All we have to do is surrender to it and just say, God, have your way. If you're trying to be better, quit trying to be better and start submitting to the Lord and asking him to help you to live the way he's created you to live. It's a lot easier. I mean, I'm a a list person. I I got my to-do list. I, I like getting stuff done. And I've had to learn and I'm still learning how to what? Surrender because my best ain't enough. And just saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your power. See, in the resurrection of Christ, we find real hope that leads to real life. And he offers that to every one of us today. Every one of us is offered life. Joshua said it this way. The Lord said to Joshua, he says, I place before you life and death. You choose. It's up to you. You choose. It's your choice. I'm not going to force it on you. But life or death, you take it. Do you want to live with my help or do you want to live trying to figure it out on your own? Take your pick. It's up to you. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. He says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. See, here's one thing that I believe is a a misunderstood fact, and I've already mentioned it a few times, but it's worth repeating. And it's this, is that salvation through Christ. How many of you know there is no salvation outside of Christ? There aren't many ways to God. Jesus said the road is narrow. He says, I'm the gatekeeper. Now, I know that's not real popular, I didn't say it. God's word said it. But salvation through Christ isn't just a future event that we're waiting for. That we're, that's, we're just kind of hoping one day, oh, in the sweet by and by, when I get to the Lord. It's, wait a second. You're cheating yourself out of what God wants to do in your life now. If you're just waiting for God to work one day, he wants to work now. See, it's a present, a daily reality that we should experience There's that word that we should experience right now. Paul talks about this in uh, Philippians chapter 3. He makes a statement. He says that this was the cry of Paul's heart. He was an apostle, one of the great apostles after Jesus' resurrection. And he says that I may in some way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. That should still be our prayer today. Is that I want to know the power that, that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from that tomb is what? Is alive on the inside of us, and it would what? Quicken and strengthen even our physical bodies. You may be here today and you need healing. I have good news. Jesus died so that you could be well. Why? Because the Bible says he took stripes upon his back so that we could be whole, not better, whole, which is like better than before. 
God doesn't know how to do something halfway. He just does it over the top. He's an over and a top beyond God. See, Hebrews chapter 6. I know I'm giving a lot of scripture this morning, but I want you to hear scripture, not just my opinion. I want you to hear the word of God. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. This is speaking of us who have what? Come to God. It says that we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to this hope that is set before us. He says this hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor for our soul. For an anchor for our week, what do you mean? When the storms come, you have something that will hold you. Something that what? That you can have confidence in. It says it cannot slip and it cannot break under whatever pressure bears upon it. It's a safe and a steadfast hope that enters into the, within the veil. And you're like, I don't know what that means. It enters into heaven, to the very throne room of God. It says where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. What does a forerunner mean? One that goes ahead. Jesus told the disciples that, hey, I'm going to go ahead of you, but y'all going to come with me too. I'm just going ahead. Well, that's what the scripture's saying here. See, this morning, you may have come to church, and I, whether you're a Christian, professing or not, maybe, maybe you've been a part of church for a long time, but you've lost your hope. Easter is about hope. Why? Because Israel was waiting for a Messiah, a deliverer, a king, a savior to come, and he was their hope. Well, he is our hope today. In the same way. Why? Because we still need deliverance. We still need salvation. We still need what? We still need God. All of us do. We all still need God. So whether we realize it or not, the reality is is that Easter is our story as much as it is about Jesus' story. Is that Easter gives us hope that what? That God is working. Even if I can't see it. Because even the disciples thought, end of story. Jesus died. I'm going to go back to my nets. I'm going to go back fishing. Man, I thought we were going to see God do something amazing. And it's all gone in a moment. See, they'd lost their hope. That's why the Bible says they were discouraged. It's because they didn't understand what Jesus had been telling them, even though he told them everything that was going to happen. They didn't understand it. You know, as I'm wrapping up this morning, one of the things that that I know in my heart is this. Is that every single one of us need God. I need him more today than I did 22 years ago when I got saved. I need him more today. Why? Because I recognize that life is meaningless without him. Jesus made a statement. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Now, it's an interesting phrase. And he's not saying you can't do anything without me. What he's saying is you're not going to do anything of value without me, of worth, of anything that's going to stand before when we stand before God. If he said, oh, you can't do anything, well, that would be different. Because, you know, we can do a lot of things without Jesus. We can go to work without Jesus. We can be married without Jesus. We can have kids without Jesus. We can have our plans without Jesus. But the Bible says that when we come before the Lord, we're going to push some stuff at his feet. And the Bible says it's going to be tested with fire. And it says some things are going to get burned up because they were pointless. They had no value. They weren't worth anything. 
I want to make sure what I'm pushing at his feet is a value. And that starts with my heart. That starts with me giving me him and surrendering my life, surrendering my desires. You're like, God's going to make me do some weird stuff I don't want to do. Not really. He created you. He knows exactly what would bring you the greatest joy, the greatest fulfillment. But see, here's the, here's the key to this. And it's an important one. Is that for salvation to be real, it requires that we empty ourselves. We empty ourselves. Like, I'm not sure what that means. It means you give way, you yield to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit. See, I believe that God promises us throughout Scripture that, that no one ever would leave empty handed from the Lord. He would never send people away empty handed except for this, unless we come to Him full of ourselves. See, we have to be willing to give way. John the Baptist made a statement, and it's, a, it's really a principle. He was speaking more in a physical sense, but the principle is still the same, which is this. He said that I must decrease so that he can increase. The only way to experience more resurrection in your life is to die to yourself. And that's a process, and that takes time. Like, well, I don't know how to do that. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. He's a helper. He's a teacher. He's a guide. He's an advocate. He's one who comes alongside to help. You're not going to figure it out. I would like to think if anybody could figure it out, I would have by now because I'm analytical and I want to diagnose and separate and pull it apart. This is what I know. The more I can let go and the more I invite God in, the more I see him work. But I got to let go. So you may be here this morning. Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? You may be here this morning and you say, man, I came to church on Easter. You may be here just out of obligation. You may be here just because you feel guilty, just because you're like, man, I need to go soothe my conscience. I ain't been to church in a while. I got to make sure that I'm good with God today. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word of God this morning. I believe that God has better things for you, that God wants to give you hope. The Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, what? God, he says, I have plans for you to give you what? A hope and a future. I have plans that are good, not evil. They're, they're for your benefit. They're for your blessing. But I want to give you the opportunity right now. If you're here this morning, look, I'm going to do this one time. I'm not doing the three-call thing. We're going to do it one time. If you're here this morning, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand real fast and say, hey, I need to surrender my heart to the Lord. I need to get out of my own way and let God begin to work in my life. Because I need to what? I need to decrease so that Jesus can increase. Why? So that I can radiate the hope of the gospel. That it's not just a theory, but it's life to me. That's why we call it good news. Why? Because our life after Jesus is better. It's better. Is there anyone else? Real quick. everyone join in and pray with me together this morning. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for resurrection life that he offers me. Father, I surrender to you. May I decrease so that you can increase. That I would know the hope that you've called me to. Father, I thank you
for a fresh start. I thank you for your love and for your forgiveness. Father, I thank you that I'm new in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate this morning?